welcome back. Why don't you have a listen? Come on in, let's have a chat in Cafe Shay's kitchen. Hello, welcome to my kitchen. I am your host, Cafe Shay. On this podcast, I chat with experts, amateurs, and my audience about all things sustainability. I believe that caring for the planet, yourself, and your community should be inclusive. So join me every week to discuss barriers to sustainable living and a plan to break them down. In this episode, I am discussing roles within the movement. It is very similar to a speech I actually gave at a Fridays for Future climate protest over a year ago now, which is crazy because it feels like the other day. Um, I really enjoyed the speech and I feel like it was a really groundbreaking moment within myself and understanding my own climate activism. Um, and I got quite good feedback from it, so I thought, you know, let's make that into a podcast episode. Anyways, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. So I wanted to start with the image of the activist and how that can be quite um, stifling, suffocating at times. So I think a lot of us view activism and being an activist as very vocal, visible, frontline, hands-on, really daring engagement, um, that type of thing. So when I think of an activist, I immediately think of like many members of the Black Panther Party or perhaps even some people I know and how they're the ones organizing um, strikes or um, marches or um, die-ins, um, they are the ones who are at the front giving loads of speeches, on the megaphone, shouting, leading the chants. Um, they're the ones getting arrested, potentially. They're the ones spray painting, building, making banners, holding banners up high. Um, and that, and that's, I think, for a really long time, like the activist that I was trying to be, um, which, I don't know, I give myself forgiveness for that now because I feel like a lot of people, if they think, okay, I'm going to be a climate activist, this is what I have to do in order to fill that role. Um, and yes, to an extent, that that is a very, very vital part of activism. And to some extent, like, that is the definition of activism. Like, that is what it, what it means to be an activist. But I kind of also wanted to take the time to consider how... Um, that is not all, all there is to activism. Um, even when we do have these particular key figures who are very visible, very vocal, there is a lot going on behind the scenes, which all contributes to them being able to do their work, which is maybe less acknowledged, but just as important. Um, and so, that, yeah, that's, that's what I want to go into today. Um, yeah, so... I I had a call with I was I was working with this organization called Generation Green for some time. Um, I don't think they are continuing to exist as Generation Green. I know they've sort of like split into two um, separate organizations. But um, on one of the calls, I, I can't even find this resource anywhere, which is quite annoying. Um, essentially, what what was presented to me was this sort of network or web of different roles that people can have within a movement. Um, the closest thing I could find when searching online was Bill Moyer's Four Types of Activist. Um, 
citizen, reformer, rebel, and change angel change agent so reading this from the common social change library um it's just a little summary i can link this below it says social movement activists need first to be seen by the public as responsible citizens they must win the respect and ultimately the acceptance of the majority of ordinary citizens in order for their movements to succeed consequently consequently effective citizen activists say need to say yes to those fundamental principles, values and symbols of a good society that are also generally accepted by the public. At the same time, activists must be rebels who say a loud no and protest social conditions and institutional policies and practices that violate core societal values and principles. So breaking that down, <laughs> um, I guess the way that I would understand that is so the citizens are people who um, are maybe have a very good knowledge of the law and like very law-abiding and not just like legal law but also like norms and values of society they are very aware of that um and so this might be people who are i know like community liaison officers so they understand how the community works and they ensure that the the movement is working well between the members of the community who are affected between the members of um members of the the movement the organization um and then they also know like the norms and values and yeah making sure everything's ticking over okay and then there's also the rebels who are going and saying no this is not okay and i think that's fundamentally like what activism is it's, it's maybe not saying no outright to everything but it's saying no this this specific part or or this part of society is not working and i don't think we should stand for that and so these rebels, quote unquote, may be the people who are um, intentionally breaking laws that don't work for the communities that they exist within. Activists need to be change agents who work to educate, organise and involve the general public who actively oppose present policies and seek positive, constructive solutions. Finally, activists must be reformers who work with the official political and judicial structures to incorporate solutions into new laws and policies practices of society's public and private institutions they must also work to get them accepted as conventional wisdom um, of the mainstream society so this one kind of thinks a bit more about like the practicalities of once it has been raised that this is an issue um, what are we going to do about it so my current job I don't actually know how much I've spoken about my job on the podcast but I am currently working full-time as a sabbatical officer for Cambridge SU um, and that essentially means that I have been elected I'm BME rep black and minority ethnic rep um, so I've been elected to speak at the university level represent students of colour at the University of Cambridge um, this involves a lot of like negotiating with key members of the university getting in contact making networks um, and sort of understanding how we can change the way that Cambridge works so that it also is able to support and uplift and empower people of colour here. Um, so that would be something more of a reformer. So I'm within the system and I'm saying, no, um, this doesn't work, but I am doing it in a way that is maybe less like drawing attention to the fact that there is an issue and more so saying okay this is an issue and this is how we're going to fix it um change agents maybe would work 
say like with the community, which is slightly what what I I would like to do as well. So, um, or I guess how I see my role within this podcast, my work within this podcast as um, providing a space to have a conversation um, and to tell my opinion, I guess, on why I think that these aspects of society aren't working and I guess push towards a collective education. I'm, I have very mixed feelings about um, <laughs> education systems and I definitely would love to learn more about it, but um, my instincts, my gut feeling is that the top-down educational approach doesn't work. So I see my role within this podcast as facilitating a space to have these conversations. I'm hoping that me like rambling on about one of my thoughts will help to promote a conversation between say you and someone else of like oh say this topic oh I didn't see myself as a activist but you know what I'm actually like really into like local governance and really understand like who is the right person to speak to about certain things and like if there are people who want to get things done maybe it's really really important for me to be like okay here you are here are the the networks, the people you need to speak speak to. This is the way that you can engage them best. Like, maybe that's the kind of conversation um, or thought process that my podcast and these conversations could encourage. What I do think that is missing from that model, where I did see in the Generation Green, was more specific breakdown of like what it takes to actually put a movement into place. Like, there is loads of things that you need. You need yes, the people who are speaking. Um, and shouting about it and being very vocal but you also need like effective communicators so people who can yes get that energy and that raw feeling behind it but also are able to coherently communicate why such and such is a such clearly that's not me (laughs) are able to coherently communicate why such and such is a problem and uh, why we need to fix it Maybe they're a type of communicator who is able to like write down policy or like write suggested proposals or open letters and like that is the way that they communicate. Maybe you are someone who is really artistic and you're the person who is designing the whole like logo or you're designing banners because that is like something that's really an overlooked. Like it's it's really important for people to attach themselves like to a collective like identity or image that they can resonate with. Um, and that is something that is very important. And like the Black Panther logo, like that is such an iconic image. And for a lot of people, they see that and they're like, wow, okay, yeah, I feel empowered by this. But someone had to create it in the first place. Um, maybe you're someone who is really good with children and you will say, okay, I'm going to take on the role of caring for children while these parents and aunties and uncles are out on the picket lines because someone ultimately needs to care for the children and maybe that is your very important role maybe you are the type of person like me like I love to feed people and so a lot of the time I'm like okay so I'm going to make sure that I have food and I make sure that it tastes good and I'll make sure that like it keeps people warm from the inside because sometimes if you're outside all day especially in the UK protesting like it can get really cold and like that's important that they're like surviving, not malnourished, um, making sure people are hydrated. Um, what are some other things? Um, yeah, it talks about like policy. Uh, maybe you are someone who is really good at like 
like I said before, you you understand local government really well, or maybe you understand national government really well, and so you are able to pinpoint like the exact law that it, like is causing a problem, and then if you are able to use that information and funnel it into the the communicators and the the writers and say, okay, this is how we need to word our like manifesto so that it's targeting a specific issue that is written in law that we would like to be changed. I can go on for a while, <laughs> but I hope you get the idea of what I'm trying to say that you don't necessarily have to be the person who is disruptive and bringing attention to the issue yes that is important and yes that's probably what is uh, most newsworthy and what what is most talked about as being an activist but it's not the entirety of it how many of the black panthers went and went read through loads of books and scanned archives and were able to like write and like create ideas of what a new world should look like like the amount of books written by like really prominent black civil rights activists like you have to be someone who has the talent like Franz Fanon or or James Baldwin like they they're quite prominent people for me anyway who like their words and like ability to research or understand things really innately and write that down is really important and has inspired waves of generations after that to continue their work um Franz Fanon Franz Fanon as well he he was a psychologist and that's <laughs> really insanely important like this is draining work um and it's important to have people who understand that and also care about the cause and are able to use their knowledge and their own passions to help support the community whether it's through psychiatry or something else and he was also able to use his knowledge of psychiatry to form theories of blackness and black identity which is really critical to how like now future generations understand race and ethnicity and blackness. I'm really excited about this because and I think the reason I wanted to speak about it in in the protest um over a year ago now <laughs> is because like I don't think I have seen myself as the p disruptor um, who is making lots of noise, holding the megaphone. And I think for a long time, I, I like was really annoyed about myself for that. I was thinking, like, I'm just not doing a good enough job. Um, but then I sort of switched it and I thought, well, you know what I am good at? Like, I like feeding people and making sure that they are actually, like, not fainting while they're protesting. Um, I like communicating. I love, I love chatting about these things. And I think that I have slowly over time, obviously still got loads more to go, but I, I feel like I'm learning ways to communicate these ideas with people in a way that doesn't make them feel guilty or like pressured to act a certain way. Like I do, <laughs> this is like a little pet peeve. I do sometimes feel like that is projected onto me. Like I tend not to tell people I'm vegan because I feel like as soon as I do, they'll start making jokes like, oh, you're going to force me to eat vegan food or like, oh, but I really like meat. And I'm like, I didn't say you have to. <laughs> I literally just said, this is what I eat. This is what I believe. Um, yeah, and that's sort of projected onto me, which I don't like. But um, when I am able to speak 
to this stuff. So I will usually start with like, I believe that that everything has a soul and all sentient living beings deserve to live their life. And most people will be like, okay, yeah, sure, <laughs> that makes sense. And then, and then I'll go on. Um, I kind of went on a tangent. What was I talking about? Yeah, okay, so I like the idea of different roles within the movement because I don't think that I am the person who is there shouting at the front. Um, I do think it's necessary to have people working behind the scenes, quote-unquote, um, whether that is understanding policy or caring for children, providing food, uh, even writing the speeches that some of the big, louder people are saying. Like, those are all very, very important. Um, and definitely cannot be taken away from the movement as a whole and so we shouldn't try to when we think about it. Okay, the last thing I wanted to speak to about was the Overton window. So this is an idea that was brought to me by Julian Tubbert who is, um, he does a lot of things. <laughs> he works at Jesus College Intellectual Forum which I interned at um, and I speak to him quite regularly about different political things because um, he used to be an MP. Uh, but anyway, he was explaining to me about the Overton window and how it's essentially like the way he described it was a whole line of like each end of the line is like a really extreme idea, whether it's really extreme to the left or really extreme to the right. The window then is in the middle um, and the window is government. So what you want to do as an activist, there are people on the outside talking about these different things. And like, the more that we hear different extremes, the more that people slowly begin to realise and like, accept it as like, maybe that is true. And then as the line moves more along the rope, the overall window will then move with it. Um, so policy will then respond to public consciousness and public beliefs and values. I have no idea if I'm explaining this right. Like I can see a very clear image in my head, but I'm trying to explain that with the words. Say the rope, which is the line of extremes. So on the left, it is that women exclusively breastfeed their children. Um, absolutely no formula milk, absolutely no like food supplements for like the first, what like, year of a child's life like they should the child should just have breast milk and nothing else should pass their lips an extreme thought on their right might be maybe that would be the other way i'm just saying left and right because of my hands but like it's not strictly like politically left or politically right by the way an extreme thought on the right might be um no um children should be having like formula milk from day one um maybe because it will give greater freedom for the mother um, and allow them to do whatever. Um, they should have formula milk and like maybe baby food, um, like commercial baby food, um, and they shouldn't have breast milk. Like you shouldn't even bother trying to give children breast milk. Okay, and then the window is policy. So as more people are saying, hey, women should um, have formula milk, um, or, oh my goodness, children should have formula milk and baby food, policy will then change to be like, okay, well, if, if, if that's what people want, then let's 
ensure that the baby food that children are getting is safe. Let's ensure that the commercial baby food has like specific requirements to ensure that it has a certain amount of nutrients. Let's ensure that um, it doesn't have these harmful uh, things. And so the window is shifting slightly that way to allow to um, accept this like public opinion and to like encapsulate that in law. The other way might be like, okay, we uh, women also nowadays are realizing that like breastfeeding is really valuable to both mummy and baby and we we want we want to support that we want we want to allow people to breastfeed even if they want to go to work and like you know live their life um we won't allow women to breastfeed so the law will change to be like okay all workplaces have to have a space where people can breastfeed um they have to provide fridges to put the breast milk in yeah, so that might be a way that the the window changes slightly. I hope that is making sense. You can see the way that like the rope is public opinion um, and there are extremes of it. There are also people in the middle and then the window in the middle is what is policy and what is helping to change in accordance with public opinion and what people are generally valuing. Um, okay, so <laughs> how that relates then is that I think for a really long time when I was younger, like I was mostly a person who was shouting on the outside. I was someone who saw my role as being on the rope and shaping public opinion. As I went into my role as environmental and ethical affairs officer for the Jesus College Student Union and later, which I'm now doing, being the officer for Cambridge SU, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, it is great for me to be on the outside and like helping to shape public opinion. But what is really valuable also is like being able to be inside that window and say, look, look over here, public opinion is changing. And this is how we're going to respond to that to ensure that these people feel supported, but also these people feel supported. So all that to say is like, you can change your role within the movement. Um, and you can work both within and outside of it and be really valuable and like no one is better than the other um, they are both quite important thank you so much for being in this episode and listening and joining me today i hope you found value in it and i hope you understand understood what i'm trying to say because this is something that i'm quite like interested and passionate about um i think everyone should try and fix fit themselves into a mold like that's not what we're all about we're all about making sure that things work for you and that you are contributing your best self to the movement and that is what living and practicing sustainability is all about contributing your best self not somebody else's best self so anyway <laughs> with all that thank you so much for joining me today um, if you found value in this podcast please follow where you're listening to this um share with your friends, families, loved ones. Um, if you want to financially contribute, I have a coffee page. That's where you donate the price of a tea or a coffee. It's about £3 to help support my work. You can do that monthly or one-off donation. Um, you could also follow me on social media to play Shay's Kitchen. It'll all be linked down below. Um, yeah, those are the main way. Oh, yes. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star rating, you know? That'll be really cool. Um, yeah, okay. Um, those are the main ways to support me. If you want to contribute to an episode, you can leave a 
voice note. I realised that you can't just do, like, <laughs> a normal Instagram voice note. Um, I'm now having trouble, like, transferring Instagram voice note into a podcast episode. So, Anchor has given me a link. If you want to leave a voice note, I will do that. Um, and you can, like, give me a little response, tip, message, comment, whatever. If you want me to read out a comment because you don't want your voice heard, that's completely fine. Just text it over to me and I'll read it out loud. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. I hope you have had a lovely Sunday and that you will have a brilliant rest of your week. And I'll see you next time. Okie dokie. Bye.